0: Well, good morning. It is good to see you all here today. And way to go, Jorge George, on those announcements. You did fantastic. Uh, We are, as uh, Jorge said, we're looking at the journey. We're looking at Joseph's life specifically in the Old Testament because multiple times he is faced with the challenge that we all face in trying to discern, God, what is it you're doing in the midst of this situation that oftentimes doesn't go the way we expect it to go, the way we want it to go. So trying to discern what God is doing and where we are going. What I I really want to get across in this series is that there is never a time in your life that you are outside the working of God. No matter how good life is going or how challenging it is going, on the good days or the bad days, you are never separated from God's purpose and plan and power working within our lives. Now, the reality is, many times we don't see it. We don't feel it. That's where faith comes in. We have to trust in the working and the presence of God that is going on in our lives. And we have comfort that his spirit fills us. His spirit leads us even in the times when we don't see it or feel it. And that's where faith gets challenging because we all face times when life gets difficult, when we don't see a way forward, when we don't understand how could this be happening? This isn't what I planned for. This isn't what I thought God wanted. I remember when God spoke this Joseph could have easily said that in his life and said, how in the world could this be? But for Joseph, he finds a very important point that I think we all need to remember is that, which is hard for us, I think, as Americans to compute, but there is purpose in the pain of life. The things that challenge us and stretch us and are difficult, the working and the purpose of God is in the midst of that. When life gets challenging, when people get challenging, when situations are difficult, when it seems like dreams die, as we saw with Joseph, and then when it goes from even bad to worse, as we will continue to see with Joseph's life, we can find the presence and the working of God. So just a quick recap of this account we're looking at in the Old Testament. It's from Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we have Joseph, who is the favorite son of a very complicated family. Remember, he's the one that gets the coat of many colors. He has dreams from God, literal dreams, not just like aspirations, although that certainly applied, but he has literal dreams from God that he shares with his brothers which was a bad move because his brothers are very insecure about it, but how they will all bow down to him one day. Even the stars will bow down to him. His fathers love him. His brothers loathe him. He's thrown into a pit. We looked at that last week, a cistern. And then he is sold into slavery rather than being murdered, which is what his brothers originally wanted to do. And now we catch up with him. Everything has been taken away from him. He has moved from being the favorite son to being a slave in an unknown land. It would be easy at this point to go, well, I guess I can scratch that whole bowing down to me thing off the list because everything has been taken away from me. Not only will God use this to bring about his purpose in Joseph's life, but he is going to use it to save the entire nation of Israel. Sometimes we we can't see what God is doing in the moment. Not only can we not see it for ourselves, but God wants to use every one of our lives for, and we could even write the story for, and that's where we see Joseph here. Even when we don't see it, don't feel it, even when we're hurting, God is still working. That's one thing to believe as a theory. It's another thing to live out as reality. Joseph is going to find himself this week as we continue the story in a very difficult situation that is even made worse. uh, We're going to see that as he moves through this adversity in his life, he doesn't have any choices of his own really left. Life is out of control. And maybe you've felt that way before. Like It's just beyond your control. However, as we will see with Joseph, he still has the opportunity opportunity to choose how he responds. So even when it seems like my life is out of control, I can still choose how I'm going to respond to God, to the situation around me, to the people around me. I uh, personally, just to put this in a, a personal perspective, This is uh, where we are at as a church, as a church body, and uh, me personally, I'm trying to discern, God, what is it that you want for us? Uh, Some of you are aware the building is for sale, or you may have seen the for sale signs that are out there, and honestly, our options are slim to none if this doesn't continue to work out for us in this space where we're praying as a leadership team. God, what do you have for us? What is the next step that you want us to take? And what we can do beyond what we can't control is say, God, I'm going to choose to respond faithfully and I'm going to let God do his work. So I say all that just to say what I'm preaching to you, I'm putting into practice myself And hopefully we can live out these things. The first thing we see Joseph respond with is this. When I can't perceive the plan, I can choose to do the next right thing. Sometimes life just gets foggy and all you can do is just the next right thing. I grew up in West Texas and in West Texas, we have... Uh, this beautiful time in the spring when everything turns brown on occasion. Uh, I mean, sometimes here in San Antonio, we, we experience fog, right? A really foggy morning where you can't see very far when you're driving, right? You can only see a few car lengths ahead. I remember growing up when I was learning how to drive, there were times I was driving as a teenager and it would be so thick that I could hardly see past the hood of my vehicle and I would just have to pull over and hope that somebody else would see me and turn on my flashers. Sometimes we can only see just right in front of us and you can only say, what is the next thing for me to do that is the right thing for me to do? So as we dig into Joseph's story, he's in this dark time, he's been sold into slavery and it's about to get worse and all he can do is the next right thing. So we start in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, when you think captain of the guard, don't just think, okay, this was the bodyguard for Pharaoh. Captain of the guard would have been much more like in charge of the military forces, all right? So Potiphar is uh, is a big deal for Pharaoh, right? He's in charge of the military officers, and this is who now Joseph is serving. Verse two, uh, the Lord was with Joseph. And I want you to pay particular close attention to that phrase right there, because we're gonna hear that over and over as we continue to look through this account. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And when I see personal attendant, it kind of brings to mind a picture of a butler, but it was much more than that. This word in Hebrew for personal attendant is the same word that scripture uses for Joshua to Moses. So very much an apprentice, very much a right hand man, a second in charge. So God has now placed Joseph as a slave in Potiphar's house. The Lord is with Joseph. He's succeeding in what he does, and he is now elevated to a place of favor. Verse five, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all of his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. All right, so keep in mind here, I think an important side note here is don't ever think that ministry is just what happens up here on a stage on Sunday. Here Joseph is, he's having to serve in a task that he didn't necessarily sign up for, but it was very much a laborious task. And whatever task God has given you, wherever you serve as a place of employment, as a place of a neighbor, the many different positions that God puts us in, God puts us in those places so that we can flourish. Here Joseph is, and he's very much doing a business effort, and God is blessing that effort. So wherever you find yourself In community, in life, the right thing is the place where God can bless you. We will all face moments where situations just feel like they are too much to bear. And again, this is where that phrase that we're going to see over and over today, the Lord was with Joseph. Wherever we're finding ourselves, whatever our feelings or circumstances may be telling us, Just like the Lord was with Joseph, we know from scripture that the Lord is with you. In all that you do and all that you face, the Lord is with you. Reminds me of Isaiah 41.10 says this, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Does this mean that everything always goes perfectly the way we expect it to? No, absolutely not. But what it means is what it says here. The Lord is with you, whatever it may be that you face. Continuing in chapter 39, verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Wouldn't that be great? If the only thing that you had to worry about was what you're going to have for lunch today. And I know half of you are already thinking about that anyway. So just imagine that that was all. All you had to worry about for the rest of your life is just, what do I want to eat? Where do I want to order delivery from today, right? That's all he had to worry about. Potiphar is living the good life because he trusts Joseph and because God is blessing Joseph. Now, if the story ended there, it almost seems like a happily ever after. But of course, this is very much a soap opera in the Old Testament, So let's get into the nitty-gritty of the soap opera here. You all know the story. Joseph was a very handsome, well-built young man. Let me just pause right there. Some of you read that. And let me just say, that burden is harder to bear than most people understand. So let me just testify to that. Uh, It says, Joseph was a very handsome, well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she demanded. In Hebrew, this phrase means exactly what you think it means. It means the same thing. She commanded this. This was not an invitation for him to consider. And Joseph is now put in a very awkward spot that in many ways is beyond his control but he can choose how he responds, which brings us to the next point. When I am offered compromise, I can choose integrity. And every one of us are offered compromises in little ways, in big ways day after day in different situations, but we can choose integrity. Integrity comes from the same root word as integer. I like to think of it like this. An integer is a whole number, meaning integrity means that you are whole. But when we sin, when we compromise and allow sin in, it causes us to disintegrate, right? We begin to fall apart. Joseph chooses integrity We see at the beginning of verse 8, Joseph refused. He doesn't consider it. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't have to pray about it. He refuses. In other words, he's giving no foothold to immorality. And he doesn't just stop with no. But I think for all of us, we need to have that kind of integrity in our lives. And we live in a society that's very cushy. You know, why don't you just think about it? You know, it's not that bad, right? I mean, look at all these people. When God has given us clear expectations for integrity, the way we can honor him with our lives, the way we honor our marriages or our family or the position that God has put us in, continues in verse eight. Look, he told her, my master trusts me With everything in his entire household, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So here's what I want us to understand. Joseph isn't just saying no. He's saying yes to something greater. Joseph has the blessing of God upon his life. He has the blessing of Potiphar upon his life, and he's been given many responsibilities. Personally, for me, one of my greatest defenses to compromise in my life is this. Focus on my blessings and focus on my responsibility. Blessings. We have gratitude for all that God has given us whether that's opportunities, our family, the relationships we have, the resources that we have been given. God has done so much in our lives. Responsibilities personally for me, when I have the the chance in life whether specifically or just generally speaking to compromise, I want to keep in mind, look at all God has done for me, but I also want to look at the responsibilities. Who do I not want to let down? I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let a church down. I don't want to let a community down. Not to say that I'll ever be perfect, but God has given me blessings and God has given me responsibilities. And I don't want to compromise to bring disintegration to that. Like I said, I'm far from perfect. It won't take you long to look at me and say, well, you have compromised Adam in your life, and that is true. But having this focus is something that brings me back to my foundation. I remember the blessings God has given me. I remember the responsibilities that the Lord has has given me. Excuse me. Joseph understands, we see in this perspective, he says this would be a great sin, which this is an important note because he understands the character of God. Even though his family is quirky and odd and has done a lot of really weird stuff, they've sought after God. And Joseph understands if I did this, this would be a sin against God. But he also understands even in the Egyptian culture, This would have been a sin against Potiphar. As a matter of fact, in the Egyptian culture at that time, there was no distinction between adultery and rape. As a matter of fact, in ancient Egyptian literature, there's a story that references a noble woman who has an affair with a young peasant And they're caught, the young peasant is fed to the crocodiles, and the noble woman is stripped of all nobility and forced to live as a beggar for the rest of her life. So this is how this would have been viewed in the Egyptian culture. Joseph understands in this moment where he could have had immediate gratification, that there is a wise choice to make. Now we can all look at this from 10,000 feet and go, okay, make the wise choice. When we're in the moment, it can be a little bit more tricky. And let's be honest, sometimes we make the wrong choice. Joseph, in this particular situation, he isn't just saying no, he's saying yes to the bigger picture of God's purpose and the responsibilities that God has given him. I read this week that the most common denominator for teens staying out of trouble is them having a sense of purpose. When we understand that purpose and responsibility and blessing that God has given us, it can keep us on the right track. You may be familiar with some stories in Greek mythology of sirens. You're probably most familiar with that siren right there that comes with a latte behind it. Uh, That's not the particular siren that I'm speaking of, but that's that's where they got that symbol. Um, I'm glad they cleaned it up a little bit over the years. Uh, but this, this is a siren, and this is where Starbucks gets that, that picture from. And this comes from Greek mythology, where these creatures would sing these beautiful songs that were so beautiful that the ships would follow the song and crash into the rocks and be destroyed. It's a metaphor for temptation, The sailors couldn't resist getting off course and moving into harm's way. So in mythology, this was a challenge for a guy named Ulysses. He hires a crew of sailors and he wants to sail past the sirens. He wants to be the one that will make it past. So he has his sailors make wax earplugs to deafen them so that they won't hear the song. He has the sailors tie him to a mast, so that he cannot steer the ship. But the account goes as they get closer and closer, he begs the sailors to go close to the song because he can't resist it. The account goes that he made it past the siren's song, but he was haunted by the melody for the rest of his life because he heard the temptation. There's a story of another sailor named Orpheus. He tries a different strategy. Orpheus is a musician. And as he comes close to the sirens, he takes out his electric guitar and he begins to play, right? It actually reminds me of the old song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, right? They're gonna battle it out in, in this musician's duel. And the sailors survived because... Orpheus was able to play the better song. Now this is just mythology, but the point here is very similar to one in scripture says, set your mind not on earthly things, but set your mind on the things above in all of our lives. There's an enemy that comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And that's the situation that Joseph finds himself in here, and he chooses to set his mind on the things above. When I focus on my purpose and my blessing, I hear the better song in my life. Now, this should be enough, right? We should be able to end this right here. But this is about power for Mrs. Potiphar and She's been insulted, and so it's going to get worse. Uh, As you know, verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away But he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled. Coats and Joseph and cover stories keep being a problem here. She calls out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed When he heard me, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. Essentially, what's happening here is this is the equivalent to a modern day posting this on social media, right? She's making a claim for all to see, hoping everyone will be offended with her and by her story, She kept the cloak with her until her husband came. Then she told him the story, the Hebrew slave that you brought into our house uh, to come in, tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story and how Joseph had treated her. He took Joseph and threw him in the prison where the king's prisoners were held and there He remained. If I was Joseph, I would be indignant. Joseph continually seems to be trying to do the right thing, yet he goes from one unfortunate circumstance to a more unfortunate circumstance just for trying to do the right thing. It's unjust. It's not fair. Joseph has felt this way before so maybe that's why it reminds us at the beginning of verse 21 but the lord was with joseph in prison and he showed him his faithful love and the lord made joseph a favorite with the prison warden so the next thing we can take from joseph's responses even when i can't see the blessing i can choose to be a blessing. Verse 22, before long the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. This is a common theme. And over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. You know you're in a good spot when you have to be in prison, but they give you the keys to the prison. That's where Joseph is. This will open many doors in Joseph's life in the midst of this hostile culture. The way he is choosing to respond to the circumstances given to him. As a matter of fact, centuries later, it would be written as the Jews are in exile, Jeremiah 29, 7 and work for peace and prosperity of the city where I have sent you to exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This was Joseph's philosophy. Even in the midst of this dark situation, he worked to see the Lord glorified. He chose to be a blessing, even when blessings were hard to see. And because of that, God's blessings were poured out. We see this again centuries later. Peter, Peter will write to Christians who are being persecuted. 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the non-Christians. Though they malign your behavior, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter's writing to Christians who are being mistreated, who are even being murdered in some cases, who are being put into prison. And Peter is telling them, even among them, be a blessing in the way you talk, in the way you respond to others, in your good deeds, because when you choose to be a blessing, even when you can't see the blessings. He said it will glorify God. We can't determine the outcome, but we can determine how we respond to those things around us. It's no surprise to any of you that we live in a culture that's very divided, there's a lot of animosity. We can choose to respond with kindness. To be a blessing, no matter what the situation. For Joseph, in the midst of dreams that seem to be long gone and dead, he doesn't choose to just accept the hand that he was dealt. He chooses to leave temptation behind. Sometimes for us, we may not face this situation that Joseph faced Obviously, sometimes the temptation shows up in the in our emotional reactions, in our choices, even the small choices, in our behaviors, in our attitudes, in our thoughts. And we have the opportunity to say, "God, I leave all of that temptation at your feet, and I choose to do the right thing. I choose to live with integrity, and I choose." to be a blessing. Now, for every one of us, we're facing different situations and circumstances and seasons of life. But temptation does not pass any of us by. It just comes in different shapes and sizes. But you have an opportunity, even though you can't write your own future, you have the opportunity to choose today how you respond to those things In your life, what is the next right thing that you need to do this week? I mean, practically speaking, what are some next right steps in your life that you need to take? Where is integrity maybe a little bit fuzzy in your life where it needs to become a little more focused Where is it in your life that people or situations don't deserve a blessing, but yet you can choose to stand up and be a blessing? Here in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together and take communion. This is the epitome of being a blessing where a blessing is not necessarily deserved, when our Savior died for those of us who are sinners, to make a way for us to be forgiven, for us to be whole, for us to live in the new covenant, the promise and the purpose of God for every one of our lives. Talk about integrity. Talk about the right thing. Even Jesus himself Beg the Father, if there's another way, would you let this cup pass from me? But Jesus does the right thing, lives with integrity, and opens up the door of blessing so that it could be poured out on you and I. I'm gonna ask that you would take a moment of reflection. Ask yourself, what is the next right thing that you need to do? Is there anywhere that his integrity is lacking in your life? Is there anywhere that God is calling you to be a blessing? As we search our hearts, let's let the leading of the Holy Spirit work in and through us. And after a few minutes, we'll start at the back of the room. You can come up and grab the bread and the cup There is gluten-free available too if anybody needs that. And then uh, after everybody has received the elements, we'll take them together in just a few minutes. Would you pray with me? God, search our hearts. Because Jesus made a way Father, in the midst of whatever we're facing, we can do the right thing. We can live lives of integrity. We can reflect you and be a blessing everywhere we go. But it's because of the cross. So Lord, we don't take that for granted today. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross, to take our place, to forgive our sins. God, would you hear our prayer this morning? Take some time to reflect, and you can come up and get the help.
1: songs will sing
0: sacrifice of Jesus for us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it, but it is the grace of God given to us. Scripture tells us while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body, the body of Christ. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, the blood of Christ. God, we are grateful for the blessings for the opportunities, for your presence in our lives. Fathers, we leave this place. We want to honor you with lives of integrity. In Jesus' name, amen.